Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out September 5th, 2018. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker. And hey, uh, you're wearing a t-shirt that your brother made? Is that the story? That's right. Yeah. Pretty much. He, he did some embroidery. Hey, you know what? I was on the train Uh to New York City from New Jersey, Shangri-La, this morning, and I had a thought, and it's a question that I've never asked before. I'm certain you've been asked it before. Why M in Agent M? It's, I would understand Agent R. I would understand Agent P, but M, can you explain? I came. I love Nick Fury. I came in when I was hired. I wanted to do. Uh-huh. We wanted to do a behind the scenes blog called "Spy in the House," mm-hmm. and the gentleman who hired me at the time, John Dokes, who was a VP, he uh, said, "You know, come up with a cool name." And so I was like, "Agent P," uh, right. or "Agent R," or whatever. Yeah. It was. I think I, you know, spun around both because of Panagos or right. Ryan, and uh, he just looked at me. and Goes, "Nope, Agent M," <laughs> and I okay. go. Okay, great. <laughs> M for Marvel. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, which made way more sense. And it has off. a nice ring to it. Yeah. yeah. And Dokes had a way of convincing you that he was right very quickly <laughs> and easily. And uh, usually it, it was the right decision. Nice. Yeah. All right. You're getting all the behind the scenes scoops here on the pull list, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of extra things I want to talk about before we dive into new comics out this week. We've got uh, on Thursday, September 6th, I will be on PlayStation's Countdown to Launch live stream for Marvel's Spider-Man. The stream starts at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can watch the stream at PlayStation.com slash spider dash Man, mm-hmm. the hyphen is Crucial. real important, and it's in the URL, so make sure you use it, or you can watch it on PlayStation's Twitch channel. Uh, you could also get more info at PlayStation.blog. Second thing, please make sure you're subscribed to the feed for Marvel's Pull List. Thanks to Brian Stranko on the Twitter for uh, getting on us, being like, hey, I'm going to unsubscribe from one of these feeds <laughs> if y'all don't make a move. So we're making the move. Last one is this one. Get ready for it. Uh, and then the third piece is because I am a walking contradiction. If you're on Facebook, check out Facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel where we're posting stuff for Twim, including bonus things and maybe stuff for Marvel's pull list uh, just because why not it makes sense absolutely we haven't put up a facebook page for the pull list yet and we've got this week of marvel rolling nice yeah wow. but as we do every week we need to talk about the new comics out this week first up ant-man and the wasp number five <laughs> i <laughs> forgot completely I forgot startled for- tucker threw him into a tizzy the book is open has <laughs> been open in front of him for moments tucker hit it okay Amen of the Wasp number five is written by Mark Wade with art by Javier Garon, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Look, this has been a, a really wild tale. I've really enjoyed the fact that this is kind of was announced as a five issue limited series, and it's so great sometimes to to get that beginning, middle, and end of a story. Because at first, the the issue that our titular heroes were going through was that they were trapped in the microverse. They were trying to get back. It was confusion, madness, and now, when we start this story, they're trapped in the macroverse, I guess you could say. <laughs> it, uh, it's so crazy. It is so crazy. I, the The first page is a, is a beautiful splash page of Scott and Nadia kind of just like holding the earth in their hands like a beach ball. One of the great things about reading this series all along for all five issues has been Javier Garon's art. It is 
kind of unbelievable to know how he has pulled this off. Can, you're, you've got open right now uh, a couple of pages where uh, MN Wasp, they're rocketing through the microverse back to Earth, and it pulls in some vibes here that I think Javier was pulling from Next Wave, one of the greatest comics of all time. It's so fun. It's so ridiculous and over the top. But you've got this these couple of pages of them, and it's all these weird mashups of different things. His art is so good. Yeah, it's really incredible. I also love this effect that he's kind of doing as the story ramps up here in this issue and as the fabric of reality kind of being torn apart. There's this great kind of vibrating effect that he uses, mm-hmm. and it looks so cool. It's something that... Uh, when used sparingly and used in the right moments, can really, really be effective because we know Javier can really capture movement and and chaos with just his traditional pencils. But when he does that, when he has that added little effect, you can kind of feel it moving in your hands. For me, this limited series, looking back on it as a whole, has just been a testament to Javier and his ability. I mean, this was mind-blowing issue in, issue out. For sure. And also, one last thing, if you need a reason to read this, There are corgis wearing suits with lasers shooting from their eyes. Yeah, that happens in this book. You need to read it. Uh, Another book you need to read is Asgardians of the Galaxy, number one, which is Jamie's pick of the week, written by Colin Bunn, art by Matteo Loli, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Corey Petit. You know... I realize we always say VCs, whomever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody understands what that means. VC yes. More behind is, the scenes info. Yeah. is virtual calligraphy. It is the lettering and sort of production company that is run by Chris Eliopoulos, who is a longtime Marvel huh. staffer, Marvel writer, Marvel artist. And he has built this wonderful company that you, you'll see the VC on many of our books is because he has created this house that is so good at doing what they do, which is providing lettering and that that production touch. So I just wanted to make sure that I shouted them out and shouted Chris out because they're great. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, so Ask Guardians of the Galaxy number one. I I don't know what to talk about first here, really. You have this big team of Asgardian-themed characters on this space mission against Nebula and her machinations while the ships of the dead, which are made from fingernails... Fingernail ships. Yummy. That's a thing in Asgardian (laughs) lore. It's gnarly. It's really, really weird. Mm. Uh, But anyway, you've got these fingernails, and they're coming into the bigger picture. Colin pulls in Valkyrie and Annabelle Riggs from his time doing Fearless Defenders, which is a really cool series. You can read that on Marvel Unlimited. Plus, the team includes Throg, which is a frog who is the... It was a man turned into a frog who got the a shard of like Mjolnir or Mystic Hammer and became Throg. There's a different frog, Thor, I believe, wow. or it's in Pet Avengers. It's like Puddle Jumper or right. Puddle Skipper or something like that. <laughs> this is Simon Walterson, which is a play on Walter Simonson, uh-huh. the creator who did this wonderful run on Thor, who did the story where Thor is turned into a frog. There's a lot going on here. I've probably confused a lot of you. That's okay. If you've ever doubted the number of characters in the Marvel Universe, there are two Thor-inspired frogs. Yeah. Uh, so Unless yeah. I'm getting it wrong, which is totally possible, but I don't think I am. Right. Anyway, we've got those. Uh, it's great. You've got a beaten-up destroyer armor, and when you find out who is sort of running the destroyer armor, because it, it needs someone to make it go that was like oh 
head explode. It was great. Definitely check it out. And you get in on the ground floor because I think you're going to see more of this book pop up in other stories that we're doing. For sure. Next up is Astonishing X-Men number 15. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg with pencils by Greg Land and Neil Edwards, inks by Jay Leiston, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. It has been so fun to see uh, what Matt has started doing in Astonishing X-Men, really because we know what a huge X-Men fan he is. And I feel like right from the start, he is just making bold decisions. He's saying, this is my X-Men book. This is what I'm doing, uh, and he is not holding back whatsoever. Yeah, one of the things I love about this is it's kind of Matt doing his take on X-Factor that Peter David did, because I know Matt is a huge fan of Peter David's run on X-Factor, run on Madrox. You can see Matt is also doing a Madrox book. He is doing this X-Men book with Havoc as the leader. Havoc was the leader of X-Factor when Peter David was doing it. It's got that quirky sort of feel to it, uh, a dysfunctional team of mutants led by Havoc. And then you have, between this book and Weapon X the last few months, you also have Warpath being a really Mm -hmm. cool character at the front of things. He's been awesome as this like ultra kick-ass voice of reason. And then there's this like great speech that Matt gives him in this issue, uh, which is kind of also a bit of a celebration of the X-Men and Scott Summers, which again is Matt just loves him some Scott Summers, (laughs) loves Cyclops, loves Havoc. He's like the fourth Summer's brother himself. Uh, but Matt's always trying to make people love Cyclops. It's whatever. It's fine. Uh, Come on. I got love for Slim. I know. I know. I, I, I'm particularly interested to see what's happening with Banshee in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, great final moments of this issue and should make for a very wild next issue. Next book up is Avengers number seven was nearly one of my picks this week. I had at least six picks this week and I had to narrow it down. There's some really good stuff, including Avengers number seven, written by Jason Aaron, art by Sarah Pakelli with uh, Elisabetta D'Amico on inks and colors by Justin Ponsor, letters by VCs Corey Petit. And this is the origin of Ghost Rider from the 1 million BC Avengers team. Plus, we get introduced to two characters integral into the Ghost Rider story, but I will not spoil it because it was really fun stuff. It made me so happy to see how Jason weaved them into everything. I'm also delighted that Sarah got to draw the story because she hits the horror and the, the gore and the brutality of this, the harsh life that the people in this time live, these you know cavemen people. She just does it all so good, but adds so much humanity and really sells jason's dark humor Mm because he's just a twisted individual (laughs) this jason aaron uh and the way she draws the stranger in white especially when smiling quite unsettling next book is ben riley the scarlet spider number 23 it is written by hey we just talked about him mr peter david with art by will sliney colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by vcs joe caramagna ben riley scarlet spider (sighs) what is there to say about this book that I feel like it kind of defies genre in so many different ways. This book is like a big WTF. Like yeah. This issue in particular. Because you've got Peter David zigging and zagging with the story. is that like having a lot of fun with the relationships between Ben and, and the other people, particularly Ben and Kane. And you get these emotional ups and downs. And in here we get these intense visions of the future complete with connections to Peter David's other stories, including Hulk, Future Imperfect, which I thought was really neat. Then he wraps it around with a kick to the junk that completely got me. I (laughs) I was 
I was sold on one direction that this was going in, and then it went into another direction. I was like, ah! And then you have Will Sliney. His ability to nail facial expressions and emotions is so good, especially in the historical, like sort of the, the history parts of this book. And damn, he does a great job with that, even with characters wearing masks, which I think mm. is a really interesting talent, mm-hmm. is to sell their emotions through a mask is really good. This is one of my favorite issues of the series so far. Next book is one of my picks of the week, Captain America number three by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Laniel Francis Yu, with inks by Jerry Allen Guilin, colors by Sonny Go, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Man, uh, this was like, I, I did a last second change, picked this one as one of my picks, because this issue of this run is my favorite so far. It just keeps getting better and better. But there's two specific moments in this issue that made me nod my head silently and swear words I cannot say <laughs> on this show. And they're both in this big multi-page battle that Cap and T'Challa and Okoye are involved in. So they're storming a base of Power Enterprises, this new sort of company that's come in in the wake of Hydra. It's really interesting the way ta is framing things. It's like Hydra came in and, you know, we live in the cities, but in, in places that don't, in the more rural mm-hmm. sort of quote-unquote flyover states, which is even one of the terms that they use here, they said like Hydra came in and we may not have agreed with their views on people and different things, but they got stuff working. They got healthcare. They did this. They did that. And so people were getting jobs and all this other stuff. So when they left, there's this vacuum. So this group called Power Enterprises came in, and so it's been helpful. But Cap is suspicious, as rightfully he should be. And so we get to see Cap and and his team here storming this base. And in the base, a secret nest of nukes, just tons of nukes. And I'm talking about the super soldiers with flags on their faces. It's like you take this idea of Captain America and you twist it around and then you multiply it. It's really creepy. Every issue of this series has had Cap's narration. And it's been so pointed. But you get the sense, especially here, that he has had it up to here with all this nonsense. <laughs> he is done with it. And and we get into the battle. And Cap's talking about OG nuke, Frank Simpson, and, and these new nukes and what they're doing. And then you get this friggin' line, quote, they were made to hit soft targets. He's talking about these new nukes. How, yeah, the, the, they're made to cripple regular people, to hurt infrastructure, to do things where people can't defend themselves. And then you next page, giant splash, Cap, Panther, and Okoye fighting dozens, maybe hundreds of nukes. And the caption simply reads, we are not soft. And it's just like, I felt it right Mm -hmm. there. It's so good. It's intense. I got chills. I get chills right now thinking about it. And then the second panel that really got me in this issue is a few pages later because the battle goes on and Cap's holding back a tide of nukes, literally like with his shield. And it, the way that Laniel draws it, it's like a wave of these super soldiers coming. The choreography, the dynamics, the pacing, the action. If you have not been reading Captain America or if you've been like on the fence about it, this is the issue that I think is going to solidify that, yes, this is the one. This is the book. This is what we've been waiting for from Tanahasi and Laniel. Uh, we've got a uh, digital 
on the way now with Cloak and Dagger number four available on Marvel and Comixology apps. It's written by Dennis Hopeless with art by David Messina, Elisabetta D'Amico, and Giada Marchisio. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And finally, it's Cloak versus the Grey, and Dagger's kind of almost dead. Cloak is both a sad sack in this book and the guy you root for going through all his sickness and stuff. So seeing what he's dealing with and you're just like, Dagger, please, you're the strong one here. Do it. Do it. Next up is A Journey to the Stars with Cosmic Ghost Rider number three. It's written by Donnie Cates with art by Dylan Burnett, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. At the end of issue number two, a big surprise showed up, and we get it uh, after a little... A little word from Uatu the Watcher. We see the Guardians of the Galaxy. But are they the Guardians we know? Of course they're not. This is Cosmic Ghost Rider. Nothing is normal here. Uh, <laughs> it's nothing you would ever expect. Jugger Duck. It is Jugger Duck. I mean, I cannot get over how fun that is to say, let now alone read. Pause for a second. Yeah. Close your eyes. Picture, if you will, a small human-sized duck okay you have that in your head right (laughs) then you give it juggernaut's armor and now it's 10 feet tall and it is feathery and muscled and terrifying as donnie describes jugger duck he calls him ducking unstoppable yes (laughs) which is the best uh also on this guardians team is Captain Marvel, who is carrying the this kind of like Captain America shield, but it's Kamala Khan. Uh, you also have Iron Groot, which is Rocket in a mech suit made of of, of his friend. His friend. <laughs> it is like it's, you're like, oh, that looks cool. Wait, what? Oh no, what happened? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, it, I love little little things like that because it builds story in right from the start, uh, and then you have the leader. Older man Cable, which I love so much because it's like, yeah, I mean, Cable is kind of, he's already an old dude. Yeah. But, you know, the 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 time traveler, I guess he's just further along in his timeline. Very fit for his age. <laughs> yeah. uh, kudos to artist Dylan Burnett for tweaking and designing and redesigning so many costumes and characters this issue. It is beastly. And I will say that the last page of this issue literally made me back up and push the comic away from my face. <laughs> that is a thing that happened when I yeah. was reading it. Yeah. And it's really fun, I think, especially this book coming out this week given if you know any eagle-eyed uh, marvel fans anyone who's followed donnie on social media or, or jeff shaw on social media they had a little teaser image that they showed this weekend with the hashtag who are the guardians what does that mean it's fun to see him writing a version of the guardians of the galaxy in this book how do they tie together how do they not tie together who knows but it's all mysterious and so much fun Spoiler alert, we're going to get to that a little bit later in the episode. Uh, But up next is Deadpool number four, and this is written by Scotty Young, art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Ian Herring, letters by Jeff Eckleberry. And man, this is an epic. Seriously, it it is a one-and-done story that takes place over the course of over 10 years. I could have easily lived in this story for multiple issues. This could have gone on for pages and pages and pages. It's basically Deadpool living in Weird World and is jam-packed with fun stuff. If you've never read a Weird World story, this is a great intro. I highly suggest you check out the two Weird World series 
that came out over the last couple of years. The first was a part of Secret Wars, and it was by Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo. The second was by Sam Humphreys and Mike Del Mundo. And then there was also a really cool Black Knight series set there by Frank Thierry and Luca Pizzari. Um, anyway, this issue, we've got Scott Hepburn fitting right into the strange and the gross and the gnarly vibes needed for a proper weird world story. Snarling monsters, gory bits, awesome weapons, off-the-wall locations. This is just a cool, if you like swords and sorcery and maybe some like weapons and tech and just bonkers stuff, this is a great issue to dig into. Also, Deadpool finds love. Ooh, what happens after that? You'll have to wait and see. We also have another Deadpool issue out this week, Secret Agent Deadpool number 1, which is available via Comixology, written by Christopher Hastings with art by Salva Espin and Matt Yaki with letters by Jimmy Betancourt. This issue has the line, quote, Excuse me, would be horse pimp? <laughs> it's like one of the first things he says in the book. He is questioning a would be horse pimp. And it makes sense in the story. But you know, with that line, this is good stuff. Also, it's basically Deadpool as a double O secret agent man. So fun. Salva Aspen, though, he does Deadpool Carnage in this very cute and quirky and upbeat way, kind of like Gudahiru. Uh, and I am just digging the crap out of this deep recommendation. Oh, hey, before we go into the next book, I want to give a shout out and thanks to our advertiser this week, ZipRecruiter, because you know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. You know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash list. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash list. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-I-S-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash list. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Next book this week is my pick of the week. Oh, it yeah. is Death of the Inhumans, Chapter 3, Issue Number 3. It's written by Donnie Cates with art by Ariel Olivetti, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Okay, so in the recent history of Black Bolt, we've gotten Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward and their kind of landmark 12-issue run. Incredible. But uh, it was so fascinating to see their specific take on the character. And likewise, it's so fascinating to see Donnie's specific take on the character and to see how they kind of melt together, to see essentially how this same man, to see how this same inhuman, Blackagar Boltagon, is so multifaceted. And here he is kind of unhinged. He's deadly. He knows that it's going to take everything within him in order to stop this rising tide that is that is Vox and uh, the death that is coming his way and the royal family's way. It's like everyone tries to break Black Bolt. Mm -hmm. Like that is the goal. Is like we will break this king and we will get him under our thumb and then, you know, make him do what we want. Everyone tries. Everyone fails. <laughs> He's going to die before he fully comes to heal. Yeah, I mean, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, like, Donnie writes him with such, just such a resistance within him, with so much fortitude, that I think 
even though I know that the death of the humans tells the story of the death of the humans and that we've already seen people die in this story and we already know how real it is, the way he writes him make, makes me think, if anyone, he could survive this. Uh, and then, guess what planet we travel to? Mm-mm. We're going back to Marcus Centauri. I am now in two issues. My planet, my titular planet, I am a, becoming more and more ingrained in the Donnyverse which is something that I will just take with me forever, no matter what happens, no matter how I disgrace myself <laughs> uh, at this company or on this earth, I will always have this. I feel like Big Donnie, these corporate uh, you know, interests here, you've got Kate's Corporation, yeah. really, you just sold out for Deep the man, the pockets. didn't you? Look, I won't even try to hide it. I am bought and paid for by the Kate's Corp, but... Uh, the, what takes place on Marcus Centauri is some of the most exciting stuff in this series so far, without a doubt. Uh, some of the most exciting uh, stuff in kind of recent memory. And um, I don't want to say much more, but I am so pumped for yeah. what we see there. Uh, I'm very glad that Ariel Olivetti is on the series because he's done so much, especially with his painted style. But that's almost, to me, too polished for this book here it's all his line work somehow both tight and loose at the same time delicate little lines and measures added to faces and clothing that might seem negligible in passing but it all makes for this wonderful package and you know just his cross hatching and his fading and little things that he does and then you've got Jordy's colors they are so perfect clean and solid when needed but full of gradients and shade when they need to really be used in different places ah man I don't want the Inhumans to die, but this is a hell of a series. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of a hell of a series, we've got Immortal Hulk number five, almost both of our picks of the week. It was really close up there. Written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett with Roy Jose and Paul Mounts with VCs Corey Petit on letters. Man, this book, this issue did not go down in any of the ways I expected. It, it is the big Hulk versus Sasquatch fight, but oh. There's something much more dangerous involved. And the first issue is really set up how scary and dangerous the Hulk himself is. But this one gives us a look at what scares the Hulk. And I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but Al and the team are digging back into the core of what created the Hulk, what fractured Bruce, what can terrify the strongest there is. I love the way Joe draws Sasquatch in particular here, especially when he's really monstrous and battling Hulk. His neck is kind of like gone and he's hunched over. He is truly a horror. I think Ricky Purden and I were talking about Joe Bennett's art recently and how just mind-blowing it has become on this series. Uh, over the last couple of years, like, to look at him, he is top of comics right mm -hmm. now. He's mm -hmm. so good. Uh, next up, though, this week is Old Man Logan Annual. Number one, it's written by Ed Brisson with art by Simone DiMeo, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. A place that we've witnessed uh, a lot recently in the pages of Old Man Hawkeye is the Wastelands. And we get that dark, terrible vision of the future from the perspective 
of Clinton Barton. In this issue of Old Man Logan, and something that's been happening recently in the series, which is really fun, is just several kind of one-off little stories that just peek into certain elements of Logan's life, tell a, a really, really wonderful story. I'm loving what Ed's doing at this moment in the series. I feel like it's just matured to this beautiful place at the moment. Yeah, I, I like just, you know, Old Man Punisher. Let's do that story. And yep. so the way we do it is like you get a gang of jerks doing terrible things and using Frank Castle's name in a skull and you know that won't end well. <laughs> it is so cool. Like when we actually get to meet Old Man Punisher, it is not what you expect and we, it takes a cool turn. But particularly I dug how they used Punisher's war journals in here. There's also a second story in this one set earlier in the wasteland with a bunch of twists. One of them is so disturbing. I was not prepared for it. But this uh, second story is the first Marvel work by writer Ryan Cady, and he fits right in with that vibe of Old Man Punisher and this twisted weirdness. Yeah, that story has art by Hayden Sherman with colors by Dona Sanchez Almara and letters by VC Scorpti. Yeah. Next up is the final issue of the Quicksilver No Surrender limited series. And it's finally, Pietro figures it out. Uh, he knows what's going on in here. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Eric Gwynn. Colors by Rico Renzi, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a sweet end to the story, but it also feels like a good beginning to the next chapter in Quicksilver's life. Next up is the Silver Surfer Annual, number one, and guess what? My second pick of the week! Uh, so good. Really quick, it's written by Ethan Sachs. Great to see you, Ethan, over here. Uh, with art by Andre Lima Araujo. Colors by Chris O'Halloran and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Yes. Oh, man. What a treat. This is a Silver Server story set many years ago before we even first meet him in the pages of Fantastic Four. And it's a wonderful story about humanity and, and perception, about our actions and our reactions. And that's one of the beauties about Silver Surfer. You can tell these really interesting philosophical tales about a shiny dude surfing through space and it works. I was glad to see that artist Andre dedicated this issue to Mobius because Mobius's spirit is just all over this issue. It is one of the most beautiful comics we've put out this year, in my opinion. Mobius has this European vibe, and I've talked about this many times when I talk about Arojo's work, that he has that vibe, that style to him, and it is none more evident than in this issue where, you know, you get to see new civilizations, new characters, new things, new worlds, all this stuff that they're just sort of creating for this story. Silver Surfer, seeing the beauty of the civilization, sort of towards the middle of it, he's like condemning this world to his master Galactus because he sees it as this warring race and it's terrible and they're killing each other. But he goes under the surface and he sees that, oh, there's, there's more to this and he learns so much more. And then a couple of pages later... You see the end of everything, which is in large part Silver Surfer's fault. Galactus is there, and it's all just majestic, huge, deadly force of cosmic nature. Galactus come to take the planet, and it's kind of breathtaking. Uh, just the art is so good, and major kudos to Chris O'Halloran's colors. Uh, I would say this is a must-buy. It is the beauty of comics really come to fruition. Ethan tells this wonderful story. It is everything put together. It is all the pieces, parts as one, making a beautiful, beautiful final product. While we're talking about Silver Surfer, I, I wanted to mention something because this is something that I think about maybe, I don't know why, 
I think about uh, Dan Slott's final issue of mm. Silver Surfer, which came out almost a year ago at this point. Uh, and I think about this moment in there where I think maybe you'll recall it's kind of the surfer saying good. He's kind of giving his final farewells. And there's a moment where he makes just a final statement and he says, like, I'll remember you forever. Goodbye. And then just like flies away forever. I think about you reading that panel. I don't know why. I think it was because it was so good, but I literally think about it once a week and it just pops in my head. <laughs> that's great. But that's the way, <laughs> that's the power it. of comics, right? It's yeah. like, you know, you have these images and you have these moments and that book is so Jack Kirby and Doctor Who. Mm. And this book is so Mobius and like early Silver Surfer mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Next up is Spider-Man Deadpool number 38. And I'll be honest, we don't get into any of those real, well, we got a couple <laughs> of philosophical things because we've got the Master Matrix who is this sort of master robot boy who is being raised by the best parents in the world, Spider-Man and Deadpool. And it is written by Robbie Thompson with art by Jim Toe, bunch of inkers including Sean Parsons, Live Say, Cam Smith, and Craig Young, colors by Brian Reber, letters by Joe Sabino from VC. And uh, it has the greatest panel in comics this year in this issue. It is a dinosaur with some cybernetic parts on it talking to another dinosaur. The dialogue from one of them is, quote, Gig economy is the real jungle, right, Phyllis? <laughs> I lost it. Damn it, Robbie Thompson. You, I love you so much. You make me laugh every friggin' issue, just putting those little things. And then I found out today it is not Robbie's line. It is actually editor Kathleen Wisniewski wrote the line. Wow. Robbie copped to it. So kudos to her because that is a Damn fantastic Yeah, line. K-Wiz. So good. Nice. Ah, so great. Uh, this book, it has talking dinosaurs. Lots of talking dinosaurs. Do you need any other reason to <laughs> buy a comic book? No. This is the best book. It's not even one of my picks. It's nearly one of my picks, but it is the best book. <laughs> Another uh, issue, this is a story that I am loving right now. This is Star Wars number 53. It's Hope, hope Dies. Hope Dies. Hope Dies. Uh, and it, that is about the happiest that you could ever hear those words said. This is Hope Dies Part 4. Uh, it's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The Hope Dies, uh, you know, as you might expect, is kind of telling the story of the buildup to The Empire Strikes Back. When The Empire Strikes Back begins, we know that the uh, the Rebellion has been essentially on the run for like two years. So there's so much space in there. And I feel like out of all the kind of interstitial years between films, I feel like the time between A New Hope and Empire is kind of one of the least explored. Uh, so it's going to be really, really cool as we progress through that time period to see uh, exactly what on the run means. And we're getting it in spades here. Uh, things have been really terrible for the Rebellion, despite Luke and Han and Leia's best efforts. But these past couple issues in particular have been just full of space battles. It's been so much fun to see. Salvador LaRocca is just crushing the movement and the kind of the contradiction of like the vast openness and vacuum of space with the claustrophobia that comes with a space battle like this where someone like Han or Luke 
and Rogue Squadron are kind of dodging lasers. They're flying between explosions. They have TIE fighters breathing down their necks at every single moment. It is breathless space battle action. We get some delicious Darth Vader action in this story. It's so much fun. And not only do we get Darth Vader, but we get one of my favorite dudes, Admiral Ozzel. That big dope is here, and uh, he is uh, loud and proud, and uh, you know as clumsy as he is stupid. And I love to see the uh, the officers, you know, before they reach their sad, untimely deaths. But great to see Vader himself, uh, kind of more and more of a presence in this story. The last five pages of this were some of the most like intense, harrowing. Like, got to read them quickly. What is going to happen next pages mm-hmm. in comics this week? So good. Uh, also so good. Nearly one of my picks this week. I, oh, I loved it so much. as Star Wars Dr. Afra Annual Number 2, written by Cy Spurrier. Art by Casper Wingard. Letters by Joe Caramagna. And uh, this one, uh, what I always try to do when I read a Star Wars book featuring characters I don't really know is I, I go on the, the internet machine I look at the Wikipedia, see, you know, what's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this one is really about two characters, Winloss and Nock. And I didn't see anything about them. Hmm. If Wikipedia doesn't know, <laughs> I look to Tuckerpedia. Yep. And if you don't know, then I feel like I'm in a safe space and I can talk about them as if they're new characters. Yeah, sure. So this is just a damn wonderful issue. If you don't know anything about Star Wars or Dr. Afra, it really doesn't matter. This mm-hmm. is a great sort of intro book. It's a story of a husband and wife team of monster hunters, capturers, really, who are hired to capture a monster. That's it. It's one of those things, if you've been with someone for a long time, you really understand where this is coming from. Like this loving relationship full of little jabs at each other, <laughs> but with hugs and all that stuff. It is adorable and sweet and funny. And because it's an Afro story, yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans and lies and death (laughs) and all that other stuff. It is tremendous. Another book that was so close to being one of my picks, Thanos Legacy, number one. Look, you're listening to the show, so you probably love Thanos as much as we do, at least as much as Tucker does. Mm -hmm. I love Thanos a lot, like creepy levels of love, some would say bordering on my love for Modoc. Wow. Anyway, uh, you're going to get this book, I'm sure. But there's two stories in here, the first of which is by writer Donny Cates with great art by Brian Lovell and Jordan Boyd, plus letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And uh, this one, it, it features so many things. What happened to our Thanos after the Thanos win storyline? It features Thanos punching the devil. It ties into Infinity Wars in which Thanos was killed and beheaded. It ties into both Doctor Strange Damnation and the current arc of Thor in wonderful ways. It kicks us into a major story around Thanos' death and what happens now. The last page of the main story is a whopper, just like Whoa. Uh, It features a sad but gorgeous story of uh, Gamora's childhood with Thanos by Jerry Duggan, Corey Smith, and Ruth Redman. And finally, it gives us the new Guardians of the Galaxy creative team, Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. You can see the hashtag who are the Guardians teaser on Marvel.com, but I've heard Donny's plans for what he's got in store, and it's going to be a hoot. Mm. A hoot. Of course, as Donny has just 
exploded onto the scene, you know, right from the beginning with his Thanos wins arc through to today. We know that he loves the cosmic comic stuff. And Jerry, of course, has expanded into the cosmic with Infinity Wars and everything. Uh, it was really interesting to see Jerry talk about on social media. He said, if you want to know, get a taste of what to expect from Marvel Cosmic over the next couple of years, start right here. Start with Thanos Legacy, and uh, yeah, it is so exciting. But we go from one corner of uh, the outer space, we zoom in to Mr. Eddie Brock. Just Eddie with Venom First Host number two. It's written by Mike Costa with pencils by Mark Bagley and Ron Lim, inks by Andrew Hennessy and Scott Hanna, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Given everything that's happening in Donnie's Venom, it is so much fun and really, really interesting to see the little pathways and the the different elements that Mike Costa is looking at Eddie Brock, how he is examining the character and Venom and the symbiote and, you know, a few of the kind of surrounding supporting characters in Eddie's world in a different and really unique and really exciting way. The way I looked at this one looks like it's a bit like set right before the current Venom series that Donnie and Ryan are doing. But what's interesting is in the notes in the in the issue, it said that Mike Costa had plans to tell this part of the story the whole time. Like mm. He had his the run that he was doing on Venom, and it's really cool to actually see him finish this Venom story because this tale of a Kree warrior who was first connected with a symbiote years and years before it got onto Peter Parker and then to Eddie, being able to tell this tale has been sort of like his end goal. Plus, you get the double team on art of Mark Bagley and Ron Lim, who were super instrumental for many of us, especially folks like Donny Cates, who is writing Venom in, in large part because of comics drawn by Ron and, and Mark in the 90s, like seeing this all come together is cool. And then, like the first issue, I was like, ah, oh, this Cree guy, I'm rooting for him. The second issue, I'm like, this guy's a turd bag. Get out of here, turd bag. <laughs> uh, I also want to give a special quick mention. Uh, there's a great piece on Marvel.com right now written by uh, one of our writers, Tim Stevens. He put together, it's kind of a look back at the history of Eddie Brock. And he goes through uh, his comic book history. He goes through uh, the narrative from the very beginning, kind of looking at one side of the coin. Here's where Eddie was at this point in his life. And then he flips the coin over every single time and says, and this is what Venom was. And this is what the context of the story, this is what Venom was doing to Eddie. This is kind of how these two impacted each other along the way. He flips between those two back and forth all the way through Venom history. It's a really, really fun read and great to pair with First Host. Next up is Weapon X number 23. I wish this book was actually just called Weapon X Force because, I mean, like that's the name of the story. It's so good. Uh, it's written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti. Art by Yildare Sinar. Colors by Frank Darmada. Letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, this book is a little bit like The Expendables, like the, the movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Big crew of mercenary badasses, some 90s action stars, lots of bantering, wild action. There's a little bit more gender parody here in this though mm -hmm. and it's super fun they're fighting Deadpool in this issue and it's a great team you got like Sabretooth Omega Red Lady Deathstrike Mystique Domino versus Deadpool here lots of fourth wall breaking and very silly jokes but my favorite 
bit in this book, and one of my favorites this week, is Domino teasing Sabretooth about how he's really on this mission to save Monet because they love each other. <laughs> or more particularly, he loves her. It's really funny. Yildiray is proving to be one of my favorite artists for body language and facial expressions. Like, there's this couple of panels. Dom doing her finger quotes and then elbowing Deathstrike is just so cute and so fun in the midst of all the chaos and calamity and carnage and everything. It's, it's a hoot. And the last book this week is X-Men Gold, number 35. It's written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Simone Bonfantino and Gianni Valletta with colors by Eric Arciniega and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is the conclusion of the God War story arc. Obviously, there's been so much stuff happening in the world of X-Men Gold over the last few months. And this has been a really, really cool parallel street that we've taken. A little journey with Aurora Monroe. And we kind of were getting little glimpses into her past. It's a very personal story with her as she journeys home and kind of is forced to reckon with uh, a lot that made her and a lot that is kind of being used against her. And, uh, you know, the word God War... Uh, is super appropriate because we know that there is deity power aplenty around these parts and uh, sometimes it's good and as evidenced here sometimes it's not so good uh the the ending to this is is sweet but it's it's also pretty sad uh and Mm -hmm. emotional good stuff classic x-men i should say this week, we also have three True Believers issues. Marvel Knights 20th Anniversary Daredevil by Bendis Maliev. True Believers Marvel Knights 20th Anniversary Daredevil by Lee and Everett. And then a 20th Anniversary Daredevil by Smith and Casada and Palmiati. Just $1 each. They're yours. Collections on sale this week include Earth X Trilogy Omnibus Alpha in hardcover. Iron Man 2020. Marvel Knights Black Panther by Priest and Teixeira. The Client... Moth- hold, hold, please. Ooh. I brought these so I wouldn't forget them. There they uh, are. The Black Panther, the client, is the beginning of the priest run on the book. It is the introduction of Everett Ross, and it is so funny, so ridiculous, so cool. Like, it's hard to think about it now, especially this year. We know what Black Panther means to so many people, but 20 years ago, this book hit everybody in the face. It was like, mm-hmm. the Black Panther is back. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Highly recommend this one. And then Iron Man 2020 is nutso. It is so good. <laughs> it's nuts I, and bolts Oh, Tucker, that was good. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of stuff in here. Iron Man 2020. So Arno Stark, he was the Iron Man of 2020. Back when 2020 <laughs> was like was crazy futuristic. 25 years in the yeah, future, yeah. you know? Like, you have to remember that the originally he was conceived as a very different thing. Uh, so we get him in here. So there's the original uh, stories of uh, Iron Man in 2020. But this collection also includes the Machine Man limited series from, must have been like 84. Yeah, 84. And it is written by Tom DeFalco. First. Issue or two has Herb Trimp breakdowns, but then it has Barry Windsor Smith art on it, like finishes and then color, and then he takes over art duties. Here's the thing. Barry Windsor Smith does not get nearly enough love and, and like attention for his amazing art, but he is next level, like he's God level at this point in his career in the like the 80s. When he was on doing stuff for X-Men, he did like 
the Weapon X story, like that original origin of, of Wolverine, of him with, you know, like the metal bikini and the, the wire sticking out of him and all that stuff. <laughs> Barry Windsor Smith is untouchable. So this alone, if you've never read his Machine Man, is worth the price of admission. It c- comes with a ton of stuff in this issue. It is really, really cool. Highly recommend it. Had to make sure I mentioned that. Awesome. And he gets my vote, Iron Man 2020. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Elsewhere with collections, we have Moon Knight by Lemire and Smallwood in hardcover, Spider-Man vs. Venom Omnibus in hardcover, Wolverine Old Man Logan Volume 8 to Kill 4, X-Men The Wedding of Cyclops and Phoenix in hardcover, and X-Men Red Volume 1 The Hate Machine. Such a good title. On the Marvel app this week, so, you know, what we usually do, we put out the the collections, but we also release a lot of the issues digitally for people to uh, check them out if they don't want to buy the full collection. So that Machine Man series that I mentioned is also available now on the Marvel app. Digital collections uh, include a whole bunch of other stuff. Rawhide Kid, The Sensational Seven, is an interesting one. Uh, And then I always suggest, if you have youngsters, Marvel Adventures or Marvel Ages, any of those books, great for kids. So we have Marvel Adventures, Spider-Man, Spectacular, which is up on the digital app right now. We have like 50 issues uh, added to Marvel Unlimited this week. So much cool stuff. Brute Force, you remember? Brute Force! Oh, yeah. A couple weeks ago. That is now on Marvel Unlimited. You can see the majesty and the glory that is Brute Force. The Mutant Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger uh, is in there, which definitely. Uh, of course, Power Pachyderms is also on Marvel Unlimited. So delightful. The first issue of Lockjaw is now on Marvel Unlimited. Tons of Doctor Strange. If you're not a subscriber to Marvel Unlimited, then how dare you? How dare you, sir, or madam, or anyone, animal, how dare you? (laughs) There's like a gopher listening to the podcast going, okay, (laughs) I'll sign up. Yep. (laughs) And that gopher, while he's now going to subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, he has also subscribed to Marvel's pull list, the feed just for this show. He knows that we are taking the episodes out of the feed for This Week in Marvel. So make sure you subscribe as well. Make sure you you find it. If you don't know where it is, maybe we could put some links in uh, the article Mm -hmm. for wherever people get their podcast. I don't know how it works. I just search (laughs) in my app for the thing that I want. That's the easiest way to do it. Your gopher hole. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I go to my gopher hole and be like, hey, give me the show that I want. And they give it to me. Yeah. Uh, so be like the gopher. Subscribe to Marvel's pull list now. Uh, on that note, we're going to wrap this episode up. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.